0: Hello and welcome to Talking Flutes Podcast 4. I'm Jean-Paul Wright.
1: And I'm Claire Southworth. And Welcome again, Jean-Paul, to a, another sunny day in Hove.
0: I know, what is it with coming down here? We've had some dreadful weather back in my hometown of Tunbridge Wells. Lots of snow, lots of rain, and yet every time I come here to see you, the sun is shining.
1: Yes, but we did also have a visit from the beast from the east, so we did have snow as well, but S- it didn't stay for long.
0: Snow by the sea. We're here today to look at the subject of how to practice, which in itself is a bit of a weird subject I know to talk about because everybody has their own ideas of what practice is. Everybody has their own ideas on how to practice. And I know from my own perspective, practice can mean dodging certain things, going down the path of least resistance. So the subject matter for this podcast is specifically practice and a question i'm going to throw at you is how often should you practice and in this case practice your instrument
1: well it's almost impossible to say because so much depends there are so many variables it depends on on your level whether you're a beginner or you're advanced what i can say is that the fundamentals of successful practice are the same for all of us regardless of level but if you set a, a specific time or frequency one time frame might work for one person, but restrict another. So maybe to try and plan your practice, set regular times, be clear about your goals for each session. Consistent practice is the ideal, making sure that each session follows on from a previous one and moves forward.
0: So you mentioned the need to plan each of your practice sessions. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, it could be simple things like working out when is your best time of day to play. And where is your best place to play? Where can you play without distraction? And then is the lighting good? Is the temperature good? Knowing what you're going to practice. So you think about your routine, what you're going to warm up with, what you might do for your tone, your finger technique, articulation sequences studies repertoire and try and get a balance between those things
0: so if we go back to that first one the best place to play now I'm I was always a cheat growing up is I would try and find a room that had a slight little echo that made me feel good yet I also knew people that would go the opposite go and find as dead a room as possible which to be perfectly honest used to frustrate me so what would your thoughts on the venue be?
1: Yes, uh, again, a, a lot of people don't have a choice. So, But if you do have a choice, there are dangers in, in each of those environments that you mentioned. In a dead room, you can tend to sort of force the sound to try and make it sound better. And also turn the head joint in to try and make it sound better. And if you're in a room with more echo, it can sort of deceive you and make you think you're sounding better than you are. So... It's good to try and vary the the places. I mean, I used to find it very disheartening when I was at college. We had practice rooms that had no windows and had fabric on the walls and it was completely dead. And it wasn't very motivating. So when I used to go back to my home, I used to practice in the bathroom. So I went from one extreme to the other. But, you know, sometimes it's good to go and practice in the bathroom or the kitchen just to feel the room gives, to, it gives back to you something. In a dead room, it takes from you and you don't get anything back. So it's, it's good to vary the place.
0: So on a psychological level, your thoughts would be, if you go into a room and know it's dead, to work with it rather than to expect things to come back to you that aren't there in the first place.
1: Yes, you should definitely work with the acoustic, not fight the acoustic. Um, And it means that you have good experience then for when you go out and maybe play in, in other venues for concerts or flute choirs or auditions or exams even.
0: Okay. Well, I suppose I was a cheat then is that I would always try and find, and even to this day, I still try and find a room that has a bit of an echo. Does it mean that I'm scared of what I actually do sound like?
1: No, I don't think so. And I think the... The, the, the problem would be if you were always in, say, a bathroom where you've got so many surfaces that throw the sound back at you. So um, as long as you don't play in the bathroom every time, you'll be fine.
0: No, I play in the bath.
1: <laughs> <laughs> OK,
0: so another question, and that has come through on a, an email from Jessica in Arizona, is how long should you actually practice?
1: So, length. So <laughs> I would I would yes. say to practice as often as you can, but take rests. Because when you're tired, that's when mistakes appear. We're trying to build up muscle memory and the correct neural pathways, not the pathways that are responsible for mistakes. So when you're tired, mis- mistakes creep in. So always stop when you feel that you can't take any more in.
0: So, what you're going to define as a mistake, something that you consciously know that is going wrong with what you're doing. Or is it something that is just there?
1: Well, it just could be frustration that you don't feel that you're, you're progressing. But because... don't you have days
0: like that, Claire? Why oh,
1: absolutely. You... I mean, practice enables us to progress and develop. And by progressing, we can play more demanding music, and so we're always moving forward. But practice has also got to be fun. And when it's fun, you practice more. So if you're, if you're getting stuck and you don't feel you're moving forward, that's a good time just to stop and go and do something else and come back later.
0: Hence the need to be quite diligent in your your practice plan.
1: Yes, you could even write a plan. So you, you plan what you're going to do for that sort of session. So if we're talking about, you know, what you're going to practice, it's, you need a healthy balance in any practice session. So it doesn't matter whether you're going to practice for five minutes or five hours. You need a balance within that time. So let's say a beginner might, you know, they might play for 30 minutes for five days of the week. A college student might be doing six hours a day. But within both those time frames, it's important to get this balance. So I, I think of it like, um, you can think of it like a pie chart. So say if you divide your pie chart up into sort of six chunks, the first chunk is going to be tiny and that's maybe your warm-up so maybe play a beautiful tune just to just to warm up in the low register just to get all the muscles working and then you might go onto a bigger chunk which is tone so doing some tone exercises some long notes to to get the muscles working consistently and then maybe after some tone exercise you play some nice slow tunes maybe from some of your pieces or your repertoire and then another chunk might be finger technique to get those fingers working evenly and consistently. And then you might go on to maybe a study to put some of those exercises into practice and then maybe then go on to your pieces. And then you've, you've had a nice balance of, of things from warming up to some exercises to some tunes because exercise alone aren't going to be enough. We're, we're, we're learning our instrument to play music. That's our end goal, isn't it? So we need to make sure that we are improving our technique in order to play the music that we want to play.
0: So it's very much like going to the gym, isn't it, in your break, your analogy, just yes, then, it breaking it all down, is that you don't start on the um, running machine, you, you do your stretches first. So when, in effect you're telling us to warm up our chops and our, getting our lungs open and to, to find the centre of our tone first before we deviate off into the, the fast stuff
1: yeah absolutely so it's it's definitely like going to the gym i I often use the analogy of a of a hundred meter runner that a hundred meter runner doesn 't practice by just running the hundred meters they <laughs> no. they do as you said they they do work in the gym so they do stretches and they sort of maybe when they finally get on the track they might jog for three hundred meters and then run for a hundred and then jog for another three hundred meters and then run for a hundred so They do exercises to enable them to run the 100 metres. So it's no good if we dive straight in to our pieces if we haven't actually warmed up the physical things we need to play the piece, so your, your embouchure, your fingers, your breath control
0: okay well i I get that i'm going to talk- throw something in about your practicing golf so i'm going to be interested to know from being one of the top flute players and teachers in the world to what it's like starting at the bottom on something and do you actually do you actually practice what you preach when it comes to practicing your golf but we'll we'll just ha- we'll hold that for a second because I'd like to ask you about maintaining the motivation during practice because i'm sure i'm not the only person in the world that The little uh, voice in my head starts talking to me when I'm practicing, not only saying that I sound bad or my fingers aren't working, but the little voice tells me about what I'm doing tonight or what's for tea. How do you maintain or how do you get your students to maintain their focus?
1: Yeah, so motivation to practice. Progress motivates. So if you, you feel that you're progressing, that is good motivation. Lessons motivate because you've got something to work towards listening to other players is is fantastic so if you have an idea of a sound in your head or have heard clarity and evenness in finger technique or articulation or playing a, a beautiful a beautiful phrase these memories really aid your motivation and help you achieve a higher personal level
0: so, oh, you're, so you're not talking about only flute players, you're talking about looking at listening to absolutely. other instrumentalists
1: as well. Absolutely, it, it, it could be anyone. Some Anything musical that, that inspires you is good for your motivation. I know a lot of performers uh, use exams as motivation. That can work, it doesn't always work. I'm definitely going to be talking about exams in a, in a later podcast. But I, I I always worry that students are learning what's needed for the exam, the next exam coming along, rather than learning the instrument, and then okay, an exam does come along. So, but we'll talk about it, uh, certainly in, in a later pod.
0: So motivation really is self centred. You but as you have to know and understand that there's something coming back, which touched on something we spoke about in an earlier podcast, which was the importance to record yourself every now and then.
1: Yes that's also extremely good for developing your critical ear. I always used to say to students that I I as the teacher shouldn't surprise them by saying oh do you know you're doing this because they should know they're doing that but then maybe ask but is that a problem. So by recording yourself you hear what's going on. So there is A good sort of discipline of concentration is so important for successful practice. So a good mantra to remember is focus, listen, think and act. So focus on what you're doing, listen to what you're sounding like, think about what you're sounding like and what you could do to maybe make it better and then act on that.
0: So that would, if... You're doing your long note practice to start with it is quite an easier easy thing to do because you're only playing one note. You're concentrating, you're focusing, and then you're acting on what you're feeling. So it's it's, it's easy to do it on in, when you're starting your practice, isn't it?
1: No, it should be all the way through. Oh, okay, absolutely all the way through. The hardest thing to do that sort of keep that mantra going is in the tone practice because a lot of people feel it's the the most boring bit but in fact it's the most essential bit because you're learning to feel what the muscles are doing and you're learning to listen so you've got to think about your ears out on stalks and really capturing everything is that you're doing so you know a few minutes of of real total concentration on what you sound like is invaluable when I was at college I, I would play tone exercises for between one and two hours a day I always knew I was getting tired because I also would be thinking about what I was going to be doing, you know, what I was going to have for lunch. Ah, I to so is that the, the critical
0: thing? When that voice comes in, you know that you've completely lost focus. Mm.
1: Yes, but it's, it's a bit like mindfulness, is that you, you find yourself wandering off and then you pull yourself back to, to thinking about what it is that you're doing at that moment. But if you can't maintain that, stop and go on to something else.
0: So as soon as you are aware that you're losing focus, stop, assess... Why you're losing focus, it could just be you're not concentrating. Mm. And then, as you say, mindfulness, come back to that point. Or if you really are getting tired, move on, knowing that the reason you're moving on.
1: Yes. So, so change them. So if you're if you're losing concentration because things aren't really developing, then come off the tone exercises and go and do something else. Play some tunes or do some technique or do a study or a sequence. And then go back later on in your practice to the tone exercises.
0: But don't kick yourself.
1: Don't kick yourself, no, because that's of no use whatsoever. Other than that, you can go and have a walk or have a cup of tea or go and have something to eat and then come back. So
0: what should you actually do if your practice isn't going that well and you're aware of it? Because I don't know about you, Claire, and the students that you've worked with. But sometimes when I pick the flute up, from minute one, it sounds like I'm an old car horn. It sounds dreadful. I'm playing a drain pipe. It sounds, it's just not there. And I i put the flute down and I say, okay, I'm going to give it 10 minutes and I'll come back. And it still sounds bad. And it sort of affects within my my practice. I practice for the sake of saying and knowing that I practice. What should I do or what should we do if we're aware that our practice isn't going so well?
1: Well maybe just try and think about the variety within that practice so like I said before stop what you're doing if you're feeling that you're you're getting nowhere and do a a different type of practice so you're constantly changing but you know some days there's no you, you know that you don't sound quite as good and there's no reason for it and the next day everything's fine again but we're all human, you know, it just could be a change of temperature where your, your muscles are, say it's cold. Like last week when it was so cold, it could just be that you've not warmed up your embouchure or your fingers. And that, you know, that it feels far more of a struggle to do what you would normally do.
0: Oh, I can certainly attest to that. But at least I do have an excuse. that It's been cold. Perhaps I was snoring too much the night before. So perhaps my throat, So I, I'm full of excuses as to why I sound bad every day.
1: Or lack of coffee.
0: Yeah, well, lack of coffee is always the, the, my one weakness, Claire. So what I'd like to do is go back to that little thing that I had touched on earlier, which is going from a successful person at one entity, which is music and flute playing, to starting scratch, as in playing golf. Now, do you practice what you preach?
1: When I first started golf, I went into it with the same mindset as I had for my flute practice. So it's interesting that golf is a mixture of balance, rhythm and timing, doesn't that, and practice. Oh, absolutely. Doesn't that sound familiar? So balance, rhythm, timing, practice. So I practiced. And because I put in that time, everything sort of slotted into place. So I I got quite good quite quickly. And I remember the people at the club were, a bit upset with me that I was doing quite well and winning competitions. Um, but it was only because I was putting the work in. And it was very interesting being a beginner because you have that initial struggle and you try and work out what it is that that you're struggling with and you have lessons and then you work on those things in the lessons. And I always hated going to a lesson unless I put the practice in because I knew it was a, a wasted lesson. So that was that was interesting for me. So yes, golf is... More similar than you would think. And the other thing I've just done recently, I bought myself a classical guitar two weeks ago. And so I've become a beginner again. I was bought an awful lot of books. And I've been... My fingers are now very sore because I've been playing for about two hours a day <laughs> trying to trying to learn how to play the guitar. And it really made me realise how difficult it is to be a beginner again. But especially as an adult to be a beginner so it's um it was it's really been a, a really good learning curve
0: well one is never too old and i think there i we've been growing. i've been growing up with the the thought that you can do anything at any time if you really really want to however previous generations oh, i'm too old for that i just think it's really great to hear that you've not only i know you're being very modest about your golf by the way you're actually very very good but also that you've now taken up the challenge of guitar playing. But before we forget golf, golf is very frustrating, isn't it? What do you do if you're having a bad day at golf? And I just want to hear: Do you throw your golf clubs in the water? Do you hit it round the? <laughs> are you very different to a bad day at golf than you are to of flute playing?
1: I think when I when I first started, I had a very. I actually had a very one very bad experience when I was joining a club. And in golf, you have to have a handicap, and in order to have a handicap, you have to go and play eighteen holes of golf uh, three times with someone from the club, and they 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 take your score and they work out what your handicap is. And I would only just started, and I went out with a sort of a an old dragon of a lady from this club, who was very severe. There was absolutely no fun. Now remember that I took up golf for fun. It was going to be my it was my hobby. I was you know got me out of out of the, the closed environment of music and into the open and and walking lots and felt like a fantastic pastime to do. So I went out for my first round with this, this lady who didn't smile and didn't really speak. She was being terribly serious about this. And it Sounds uh, like
0: my early flute teachers, but anyway.
1: <laughs> and I remember doing what they call an air shot. So I, I missed the ball <laughs> and she went, one. <laughs> really? and, and then I missed it again, two. In fact, I did three air shots because then I was getting so upset. So I did three rounds with her on different days, of course. And then I remember coming home and saying, this is not why I want to play golf. This is no fun whatsoever. I feel totally demotivated. I feel useless. And that was a good, again, when I sat and thought about it, it helped me within teaching in that you have to be, you have to to nurture and encourage and motivate to help the student develop. So it was a good, a good lesson. So, in fact, I, I never, ever saw that lady again. I, I took a break from golf because I felt so disillusioned, and I went back a few months later. I found a fantastic teacher, met some much nicer people, and it suddenly became huge fun. When you're having fun, you progress.
0: And that is the key to this whole podcast, which is how to practice Ultimately, you've got to enjoy it. If you're not enjoying your practice, then you're not going to progress. And if you don't progress, you'll become very disillusioned.
1: Yeah, so definitely you, practice should be fun. And I, said, I think I said earlier that if you can hear you're progressing, then it is fun. And if it's fun, you practice more. So it's, it's a, a lovely circle that goes goes round and round. The only thing I would throw into this whole conversation is that try and be aware of the difference between playing and practicing So be clear about that difference. So for example don't feel that you warm up on tone technique and articulation and then go and play your pieces. Warm up on something first like maybe a, a nice tune and then practice some of the fundamentals separately before you go on to your pieces so that you progress in the in the right sort of way. So it's a difference between the difference between just playing for fun and practicing and one last thing to add the wonderful man Jeffrey Gilbert used to say don't practice going wrong make it successful I always say that you can play anything that was ever written if you take it slow enough um, if there's a long phrase that requires more breath control practice it fastly so you don't run out of air and then gradually slow the speed down. If something is a fast piece, just play it play it slow so that you don't practice going wrong because that's not good for your, for your mental state. I'm,
0: I'm thinking here Laprimidi and I'm also thinking La uh, Midsummer Night's Dream.
1: Yeah. Now Laprimidi, I had a, an interesting uh, session once when I was coaching uh, for the Spanish Youth Orchestra and uh, it was a flute course along with the orchestral course. And we had about 12 flute players in the class. And La Pramidi was being played in the orchestra. So one of the flute players was, was, playing that, was playing that tune. And so I said, well, look, we've got 10 days until the concert. We're all going to play La Pramidi every day in our warm ups. And I said, but we're going to play it, start off really fast. So we played it sort of 20 times faster than it should go, in one breath, easily. So we all felt very good about that. And each day we slowed it up a little bit. till by the time we got to the last day, we were all doing it in one breath.
0: Right, I've returned back to my office at Lenham and uh, left Claire back in sunny Hove. And the reason I've come back is I'm joined live on Skype by Gina Luciani. And I'd like to introduce Gina to everybody. Hi, Gina.
2: Thanks for having me. It's
0: my pleasure. Now, I'm planning to do a dedicated podcast with Gina in my new podcast series called TF Extra, Talking Flutes Extra. But for this particular segment, I'd just like to ask Claire's podcast nine questions to you, Gina.
2: Sure, let's do it.
0: Very quick (laughs) flowing this one, Gina. And we'll start off with your favourite genre of music?
2: Well, of course I love classical, um, but this is the thing, is I'm obviously working with classical music every single day, so when I'm on the way to work, probably the last thing I want to be doing (laughs) is listening to classical music because our whole lives you are taught to analyse music, to think about like the chords and the structure and everything like that, so it fills... A lot of times it feels like work. So I usually like to just listen to something that's very easy to listen to. So that's why I listen to pop music. So
0: Come on, yeah. I'm going to push you a bit further. Give me some. Give me a name. Come on, I'm going to embarrass oh you Oh my here.
2: goodness. Oh, I love Rihanna. Um, I like, um, what's his name? 24 karat, uh, Bruno Mars. Uh, okay, Bruno got you. Yes. yes, you know, things like that. Yeah, I love that kind
0: of music. Uh, all our Latin flute playing friends will, will have two thumbs yeah. up for that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Your favorite color and why?
2: Um, I think I like blue the most, probably because I. Although you wouldn't know that just by what I wear. Oh, I have you down as
0: a pink girl.
2: I never wear color, but uh, it's very calming, and also water is, you know, obviously something that everybody needs. And so, anytime I'm around water, I don't know. I just it's so calming to me so i don't know blue's calming there you go that's my favorite <laughs>
0: <laughs> well if anyone's listening now they probably just hear the air conditioning go on which proves i'm back in the office right <laughs> uh, now i've known you for a while gina so i know the answer to this one your favorite country visited
2: italy yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had a discussion about this and specifically venice yeah so and we we talked about that as well so
0: and favorite food is that just a given pasta
2: Well, um, pasta. Oh, it's definitely pasta. And then I also really like um, arepas, which is from Venezuela, which is where my dad's from.
0: Great. I've never had had that, but...
2: Oh, you have to. I can make it for you (laughs) next time
0: I see you. (laughs) Um, Right. Here's an interesting one. The hardest flute piece that you've played?
2: Mm -hmm. I would say probably hands down the Rodrigo Concerto.
0: Whoa, you've actually done that.
2: Oh, yes. <laughs> Never performed it live. Um, well, maybe I maybe did it in a recital just with piano, but it's it's a tricky one. <laughs> Good
0: grief. Bravo, my lady. Bravo. <laughs>
2: Thank
0: you. Right, your favourite warm-up method?
2: Um, my favourite one, I think it's called Daily Exercises. It's the one by Julius Baker, and it's similar to Team G, Tafna and Gobert, sure. um, but it's Julius Baker's version.
0: And you do that most days, or...?
2: do it every day. And I think I've done that since I was probably, I don't know, probably eight, ten, something like that. As soon as I was able to actually play it is when I started it. And so I've been playing it ever since then.
0: Brilliant. Right. Your most memorable moment, playing the flute.
2: Hands down, it was when I was playing with Colin Hay from Men at Work and we were doing Land Down Under on TV. We did it on ABC. They had a show called Greatest Hits. So they were spotlighting the greatest hits from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, 2000s, everything like that. And so that was a really fun moment just because that was a song that I grew up listening to. And I just remember being in the car with my dad and thinking it was really cool that there was actually flute on a pop song. And then I got to actually perform it live with the original uh, singer of it. So that was a lot of fun.
0: Now I was just about to start singing. Da, 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 da. I was about to start <laughs> singing, but my singing is not great.
2: And right. finally. <laughs> no, but one thing I have to tell you that is so funny about it is that I have it on YouTube now. And so many people come to me and they're like, you're playing wrong notes. <laughs> and the interesting thing about it is that there was, also, there was a copyright issue with the song um and so they had to change the flute melody at the very beginning so it was uh if you guys know that song uh kookaburra sits in the old tree." that was the one so um just wanted to to clear the (laughs) clear that everybody always wonders about that but that's the reason that the flute uh solo is different in in this version
0: and what one piece of advice would you give to an aspiring flute player
2: i would say to follow your dreams and i know that sounds super cliche but what i mean by that more than just follow your dreams is make your dreams happen and figure out a way to do it that that would be my advice for sure
0: well thank you for your time gina now for those of you and there's very few of i'm sure who know gina just visit GinaLuciani.com. I could wax lyrical about what Gina does and how big (laughs) she is on social media. However, just visit and check out that website because there is a myriad of resources there. Thank you, Gina. Thanks for
2: having
1: me.
0: Pleasure. In the next podcast, Claire and I will be looking at online flute playing and the myriad of resources available there. So join us again. Goodbye. Talking Flutes is a Trevor James Flute podcast production.
1: More information can be found at trevorjamesflutes.com.